This week on Erotic Awakening, Eating at the Y, Autism with Master Michael, and sold out events that I can't go to. <laughs> BDSM and non-standard relationships. Power exchange and polyamory. Sacred sexuality and fetishes. As well as simply fun kink. Together this time. As, as well, well as, as simply, simply fun, fun kink. kink. You'll find shows on these topics and, and more at eroticawakeningpodcastnetwork.com. You can now purchase books by Dan and Dawn as well as Kinkstarter cards online. Head over to eroticawakening.com and click on the link to buy Dan and Dawn. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you're offended by adult topics, pretty about stop listening right now. Right now? Why not? Hi, Dawn. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Tonight uh, on the podcast, we have a lot to talk about because we haven't been on the podcast for a couple of weeks. So it's been really weird not podcasting. It's like between closing down the room and opening, oh, well, attempting to open up the space and being in the middle of all that and business meetings and BTL, and it's just been crazy. Indeedio. But we do have a great uh, interview with Master Michael, who... Um, is going to tell us a little bit about having autism, what, this, what it's like to have autism in the scene. So does he have autism or is it Asperger's? He has Asperger's. Which is, oh, you said he explains this, doesn't yes, he? Yes, so. he explains this whole thing. So maybe okay. it's Asperger's we should be, I don't know. He's going to explain it to us yeah, in just like a minute. Autism's the umbrella, I think. So yeah, so that would be interesting. I really like, um, we got to spend some time with Master Michael and Slave Angie after their intensive, which was a couple of weeks ago. I don't think we've talked since... Uh, having them over for the intensives. Has it been a, that long since we It's been that long, I think. So, But uh, they had a great turnout at the room. So one of the last intensives at the room here in Columbus, Ohio. And um, then they got to come over and spend some time with us, us in our new house. And we just kind of chilled and relaxed for a couple hours before they headed back to Chicago. It's really interesting. We've had uh, Master Michael, we've had Kevin and Katie, and we've had... Um, uh, Miss Brenda and Arcane over recently, mm-hmm. and all three times I've thought I should just pull out this microphone and we should podcast these conversations, but you don't always want to do that. Sometimes it's nice just to interact and hang out with people. Right. Well, Once you put the microphone out, as you mentioned the other day, you become the Kevin and Katie instead of just right. chilling out Kevin and Katie. Right, because we were chilling with them yesterday, talking to them about the contest they were just in, and yeah, part of me really wish we'd had the microwave microphone in, I almost said microwave microphone in front of them but the other part of me is like yeah they they wouldn't have uh, you know they would have been politically correct kind of sort oh, of sure, sure. You, you, on the microphone yeah. which is what you do so this way they just but got to what other people do well, we, we're no good at that <laughs> but this way they just got to go with the flow and just say whatever came to mind so that was really nice so let's start off today with this question of the day and we have a couple of them in the Um, on the list nice we can always use questions of the day guys we've been doing this for six in january will it be seven years i don't know that we started in did we start in january yeah we did wow okay we need some topics (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know uh, but it really hasn't slowed down a whole lot that the reason we don't podcast isn't because of lack of topics that's true time that's true. Lack of time, because we can talk about some shit. <laughs> but our question of the day is, uh, Dawn, uh, I had, we had a submissive that came up to me and said, hey, I want to submit, but I'm too goddamn busy. How do I say this respectfully? I know. And I remember her asking me the same question, and I was a little confused, and I told her that I was going to have a hard time answering her because I don't see myself as a submissive that gets to decide when she submits. I'm mm-hmm. a slave that gets to well, I surrender. So, right. you know, um, but then later she kind of explained what it was like, um, her dominant would tell her to come over cause they don't live together, mm-hmm. but she would have this college thing that she absolutely had to finish and coming over just wasn't on the agenda because she had a responsibility to finish this product right. for college. And if I had something, and, and I just finished college a couple of years ago, if I had something to do for college and you wanted me to do something else instead, I would tell you that I had a project to do for college. I mean, I would do it respectfully, but I would give you a little more information. Maybe you didn't know I had that project, right? So I try to keep you informed and try to 
what, what is that we call about surprises? We try to minimize surprises. Manage, expect, manage, manage surprises. Manage sure. surprises. So, but I would do it respectfully. And then in my relationship, the one that I have with you, if I had a college project to do, needed it for graduation, I gave you this information, and you decided you still wanted me to do something else, mm-hmm. I would do the something else. And you're, you know, the, you did, you explained it well from her perspective. In the, and this is just one perspective. You can translate it to other situations where the submissive already had a full-time life before meeting this dominant. Mm-hmm. Going to college, has a job, all this kind of stuff. The dominant shows up, and you want to be um, a good submissive. You want to res- be respectful. You want to respond. So you're dominant. And you want your dominant to be dominant. Mm-hmm. So your dominant says, pick, you know, on a whim at 630, picks up the phone and says, hey, get over here and rub my feet and watch TV with me and then give me head or whatever. Right. And you've already got, like you said, you've got, you've got your project going or something. You have some other responsibility. It's not a matter of you can't say no. It's a matter of how. And what she said is, I don't want to learn how to say no, but I do want to learn how to say no respectfully. Right. And that's the challenge. Right. So, so you think it's to you, what you're saying, it's as simple as explaining. Um, what's going on and hope that the dominant understands the importance of the project. So... Um, Obviously, not obviously, but I've said it many times, you know, that usually when I start something that's disagreeable, when I start a statement, it's with all due respect, sir, Mm -hmm. you know, I really have this project that has to be done or I lose my student loan, Yeah, you know, or something like that. So, or, you know, I've had this vacation planned for three weeks and have already paid for it, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. And again, their relationship's a little different than ours. So, Oh, and all relationships are. Mm-hmm. Now you'd say that if you'd uh, said, well, sir, with all due respect, I have a, whatever it is I have, um, I'm in the middle of a grocery store with 15 things in my cart, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the only time I'm going to have a chance to shop all week. Uh, and if, if the dominant says, well, I don't care, get over here anyway, I have plans for you. I've got no problem as the submissive saying, well, sir, with all due respect, I, I mean, I'm unable to um, follow through with this command at this time. I um, will accept the consequences of that, right? Well, yeah, I can see that happening as well with that tact on the end. Right. I accept the consequences of my decision. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, I... I could see that happening. But, you know, it also depends on what kind of relationship they've designed at the beginning. You know, this is why you should do the proactive prep work. You know, what are the communication tools? How do you? What is expected? What's, what's, what's the dominant's expectation of how she handles this? So here's the, the trick to me is understanding that the dominant, um, if the dominant is secure in who he or she is, then they're going to say, "Okay, next time I see you, we'll have a we'll have a conversation about your putting the shopping first. Right. Um, but if the dominant were to respond by whining, by demanding, by being passive aggressive, by being passive aggressive, that's uh, an indicator that your dominant's not um, come to his own or her own seat of power at this time. Right. That's very true. Uh, that they still have some some self work to do. I have no problem with a submissive or a slave telling me no." Um, I'm going to respond to that no the way that I'm going to respond, be it with some sort of discipline or some sort of punishment. And then I'm going to get on with my life. I'm not going to be attached to it. I'm not going to... See, my power is such that I cannot be challenged by a submissive or a slave telling me no. It doesn't matter. I'm going to, I'm going to beat them. I'm going to discipline them in some other way, and I'm going to move on with my life. And if it becomes a habit where I hear no more often than I'm comfortable with, I'm going to say, well, you don't, you've no longer... Were, um, need to be wearing my collar because apparently no is an easy solution mm-hmm. for you. Um, but there's never this point where, you know, where if I told you take the dog out and you said, oh, sir, well, I'm right in the middle of um, painting this room. And if I don't, if I stop right now, then, you know, then I'm going to say, oh, well, I guess you don't respect me as a master. I'm going to say, oh, and push you up against the wall into the paint and, Fuck you from behind while you're all you smashed into. Well, I don't know, but I like the idea. <clears throat> so, well, I'm just curious then because I know one of the examples I give in a workshop is 
here I am near the end of college. This was a couple of years ago, near the end of college, almost graduated, got pretty much straight A's, going to graduate with honors, coming up on the last class. And surrender to me means if my master tells me that I have to quit college now, Mm -hmm. I would do so Mm -hmm. because I don't think he has any harm. His intent is not to harm me. He has a reason, you know, that you would have a reason to tell me to do that. Right. So I would trust that reason. I may not like it, but I would trust it and I would quit. So are you saying at this point that you would be okay with me saying no? I don't know that I need the supplies to you. Um, because I think I, that I, I, our lives are intertwined enough that there is no conflicts with your schedule, with my schedule that I'm not already aware of. True. Right? I'm able to make those decisions in that case of the college, of walking the dog. Um, work. 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 You yeah. know, I'm intertwined enough that I'm, see, now here's the trick. Mm-hmm. Dominant A says, hey, I want you to stop working on this college project. Come over here, rub my feet. Mm -hmm. In that situation, if the submissive complies, the submissive is the only one that pays the price for that. That's very true. If I tell you, slave, quit your job today, Mm -hmm. I am willing to accept the additional burden that that Mm -hmm. creates. Okay. All right. That does make a difference. If you're in the middle of painting a room and I say, go walk the dog, and you say, sir, the room, you know, if I comply, the room's going to look like shit. I'm going to say... Walk the fucking dog. Because now I've accepted responsibility for the shape. Or right. I'll say, well, fuck you then. You'll do it. Keep on painting. Mm-hmm. And later I'm going to punish you for dis- being disrespectful. And I get to clean up the carpet because the dog didn't get walked. Unless yeah. you walked the dog. <laughs> um, so now, now I actually have the opposite problem. This is not the problem I have. Okay. The problem I have is when Slave Bat became part of uh, under my collar, she already had a 60-hour-a-week uh well, her, an incredibly full schedule. Mm-hmm. 60, 40 hours of work being, or 60 hours of work being shoved into 40 hours between taking care of, well, she has, a, she has a child, she has a job that's very demanding, she's very active in the community, uh, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I have more of an issue with taking care of her from a perspective of the calendar, just to not give her too much to do. To add to, because I don't want her to feel bad that she has to say no. Right. I can see that. So that's disingenuous to her. I have to give her the right and the, you know, I have to simply say, if, you, if it's too much, just say no. And, if, and let her do that, mm-hmm. right? Versus the not giving her enough task. Um, we don't feel slavey if we don't have enough task. Right. So there's uh, that, there's a yeah. weird balance there. Um, because I also don't want to be, you know, I'm not going to tolerate being in a position where I tell, a, you know, where I give a slave an order over and over again. I don't want to manage it. Right. It's, it's fire and forget. Um, so there you go. There's the question of the day. Not a bad one. Not a bad one. I don't so, know if that's valuable for our... Well, I'm hoping she pulls out the piece of find out what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. You know, find out how, how is she supposed to respond? I mean, we can tell her how to do it respectfully. That would work for us. But find out from her master. Yeah. Because there's going to be times if they don't live together and, and he's not fully aware of all the little minute details, there's going to be times that she may have to say no. So how does he expect to be told no? It's, yeah, and it, it is a matter of getting direction from mm-hmm. that dominant. Uh, so there you go. There's the question of the day. So, yay, we always have stuff to talk about. But, but So we mentioned earlier the Kevin and Katie had come by to visit us. Congratulations to them, the new uh, Indiana um, Power GLOA. Ex- oh, is it a regional? It's a Great Lake, Lakes Regional. Ah, yeah, very yeah. cool. Power exchange couple. So Excellent, wonderful. They need <clears> to go on to um, the International Power Exchange Contest, which is in Fort Lauderdale. Um, Beyond Leather yep. is the event that that will be held at. So... Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Good for no, them. I had no doubt they were going to win. No, I didn't. At least not at the at the regional level. And of course, we have no idea who's going to be at the national well, level. Well, that's true. That's true. So, but uh, yeah, good, good people. So, congratulations, guys. And on the list at some point, and I'm going to keep it on here for next time, or maybe not next time, but at some point, somebody is writing some Dane and Dawn fanfic. Uh-huh. Which, if you're not a geek, you may not know what fanfic is. So, for example, if you were to take... there's. Um, uh, Harry Potter fanfic is quite popular, uh, or at least it was. Uh, mm-hmm. But so, for example, if you were to take the 
the, the idea of Harry Potter, and you've, it's already got an existing universe, and, exist, and then you take the story and add to it, right? So writing your own version of what next happens for Harry, that's the idea of fanfic. In our case, uh, Hermione's, 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 Hermione's. Uh, um, may end up sucking off Harry or some Ooh. other sort of fanficy, you know, pornographic yeah, version of it. Yeah. Erotic, thank you. So apparently there's some erotic uh, Dan and Dawn fanfic. I've gotten as nice. far as um, where a, a wonderful line, and then I stopped and I wrote the author and I said, I love this line. So, and then I kind of stopped reading it because we're talking about now we might want to radio serialize it, kind of make a drama out of it. That'd be kind of neat. So I thought I would leave it. Uh, that's kind of that. that's kind of the spot where I stopped reading too, and I need to get back to it and read well, it. We, well, really I don't want to. I don't know that we want to pre-read oh, it, though, right? right? I want to get first. We have to find another person to be the narrator at this point, so you and mm-hmm. I can do our own parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that'll be coming in. That'd be um, interesting. It's it's really yeah. If you would like to write us fanfic or for any other reason, you can contact us at Dan and Don at eroticawakening.com. Or go to the web page and use the Got Comment form. And again, that's at eroticawakening.com. Or head on over to FetLife. We have a group there called Erotic Awakening. And if you look for the owners of Erotic Awakening on Fet, that will be me and Dan. So you can write us Fet mail that way. Absolutely. Other ways to contact us as well as where we'll be presenting. Past podcast episodes linked to the newsletter and letter and other stuff can be found at eroticawakening.com. Speaking of the newsletter, we do have two new subscribers. We do. We have Selfbound from California. And Corwin from Maryland. Nice. My home state. All right, Dawn, tell me about uh, what happened to the room. Why did it close? Well, you know, the, we've had the room for um, three and a half years. And for people that don't know or haven't been listening, this was a space that Dan and I rented. Um, and we do, what, meditation groups there. We do some of my pagan ritual stuff there. We do workshops, intensives. You know, the whole point of it was to have a space to do teachings and to have the community groups have a place to meet. So MAST has a place to meet, the Submissive Roundtable, the Dominant Roundtable, the Switch Roundtable, Goal, um, just Monkey Puzzle Club, who you guys have heard on the In Bump forever. You know, they've all had a place to meet, so for education. But our big groups, like Polly Columbus and the Rope Group and the Drumming Circles, all of them outgrew the space and left. So it was time to either shut down or grow up. Go big or go home, they say. Go big or go home. And we decided to go big. So Barak and Sheba came to us with an idea and of creating the space. And that's what we're doing. So lease is up on the room. The space is being put together. But the cost of that, the cost of that being we had to cl- close down the room. And yeah. it was surprisingly emotional, actually. Very emotional. I have to go vacuum it tomorrow night and turn in the keys Wednesday morning. And it's not just the, the, it's not the emotion of ownership, of giving mm-hmm. up something that we've been running. But it's the, um, as we go through the phases of closing it down, we close not only down the kink groups, switches round table, but also the... Um, the meditation The meditation group and, as well. Yeah. Everyone continues to say what a great influence it's been. How they've grown, how they've had a safe place to grow and find themselves. And yeah, all that just makes you want to cry. Yeah. And it's very um, humbling to be part of that, to uh, have a space for people that are in the alternative community can go and say, you know, this is our home. Mm-hmm. So. And that's the way it's felt. It's very... Very homey feeling, very safe, very warm. And, um, and it's going to be hard for me and Bat tomorrow night because um, we're the ones that kind of put that place together. You know, Bat had just come into our lives when I had to paint that room and she had time. And we spent days painting mm-hmm. that room and just talking and getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. So she wants to be there when I close the door for the final time tomorrow night. Hmm. So that's going to be hard. So last last Thursday night, we packed up all the stuff and thought we were going to cry then, but we did have one person show up to help us pack. Mm-hmm. So he kind of, we didn't want to cry in front of him. He's new to the community and <laughs> we didn't want to scare him off. And then Friday night, we loaded everything up in the truck and took it to the space. And we were just too busy going up and down the stairs for that. So tomorrow night's going to be vacuuming and taking the curtains off the windows and probably sitting there and crying. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... The space is going to be good. 
but the space is going to be different. Yeah, but it's like you said, it's been a wonderful part of the community mm-hmm. for quite a while now. Well, and everybody got to, uh, a lot of groups got to, to get started. I mean, Poly Columbus blossomed and, mm-hmm. you know, and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, good foundation. It was a foundation. Yep. <laughs> so other than that, other than crying about the room closing, uh, on any nice notes, uh, we had mentioned for some reason we interacted with someone named Rogue Flame uh, quite some time ago. And they were very impressed that they were mentioned on the podcast, but they never actually listened to the podcast. <laughs> now that they've moved to Dayton, uh, they actually have listened to the podcast, and she says she likes the show. Good. Well, now she's kind of close by, so maybe we can actually sit and have coffee with her or something. Absolutely. So, And we've also got Strides to Make Him Proud, who we've known for a little while. Mm-hmm. And um, she actually made Erotic Awakening a fetish. So if you are on the FetLife you can um, be have a new fetish called the Erotic Awakening Podcast. I think I will leave that on there and mention that again next weekend. Yeah, well. I kind of like that idea. I think I made it a fetish as well. So, but uh, they were kind of surprised it wasn't a fetish already. Other than that, I want to mention Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Tickets are on sale now for the giant monstrous number ten Winter Wickedness. It's. Nice. Uh, I've already got a prequel of the um, presenters. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and Barak and Sheba had mentioned a few of the presenters on the BSing with Barak and Sheba Kinky mm-hmm. and Curious podcast on the Erotic Awakening Podcast Network. If you want to find out, uh, but I know some of them that are not mentioned yet. Oh, and you can't tell. You have to tell me later. Maybe. Yes, it's basically a who's who of. Anybody you've ever met in the kink community. Nice, nice. Well, it is their 10th, so that would be amazing. Is is anyone going to be teaching how to eat at the Y? I don't think so. So what <laughs> is this eating at the Y? See, I had thought, and apparently, I, and uh, I'll, uh, we'll have to mention that it was Arcane that came up with it. It is. We asked them tonight, so they came over, and uh, we're like, so what can we do for Y? We're mm-hmm. on Y. What can we do? Oh, we really are on Y, aren't we? Does that yeah. mean Z is next? And yes. we already have Z recorded. We've had Z recorded since before we recorded <laughs> A, that's is true. Weird how the alphabet works that way. So, so he said the only thing he could think of was eating at the Y. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eating at the Y? And then he did the little face motion with a... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm assuming he is meaning the cunnilingus. Yes. So what questions do you have? Well, uh, you know, the funny thing questions is... questions for you. <laughs> I had thought that you were going to be asking me questions about that, but I guess I am not the only person sitting at this table who has done the cunnilingus. Funny, funny, as big as our polypod is, I am the only bi person in the polypod. So, so I um, do have some experience of eating at the Y. If we look on my side of the street, uh, Karen does not identify as bi. Mm-mm. Um, Ah, okay. So I don't know that we can actually mention that, I guess, because we don't have her permission, but she would definitely be. So. Who are we talking about? Yeah, I thought that's who you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, and I would actually say she leans a little bit. Well, at this More point, whether by choice or not, right. the last two relationships have been leaning farther away from being by more of a... Um, More female, female. Female, female. Yeah, so, huh. So I guess I have to... Damn it. I yeah. have to take that back. <laughs> oh, my God. So, all but, right. But to that point, though, uh, Karen is not by, and her other significant others, both of them... Her, uh, her boyfriends, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Chris, who's been on the podcast, and the other person whose name I don't think we can mention. Right. Neither one of them identify as, as bi, bi to my knowledge. Hetero, They're right? both het. Go to your side of the street, Big D. Well, and I'll start hit, with you. you know, well, but I'm not one of your metamors. Oh, or true. partners. True. Regardless, I'm still uh, most... You are my... I guess I am a partner, yes. <laughs> um, and you're, you're hetero only because you haven't... I think you would be open to the energy if you found the energy that worked right for sure. you. I would call but, it hetero flexible, but right. Uh, so. I'm not. I'm not. It doesn't bother me, but it mm-hmm. doesn't appeal to me either. It's kind of like um, when other people eat green beans, mm-hmm. right? I'm not offended by it, but I look at that and go, nah, "I don't want that in my mouth." Right. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then Big D, and then Mrs. Big D is also. And Mrs. Big D is hetero, though her boyfriend is bi. So we we have to post. So within our little poly commune, Mm -hmm. the point being, and side note, we'll be at Beyond the Love next weekend. 
with all the polycommune. Oh, uh, yeah. All of us will be there. Uh, wow. And again, if you've been trying to get tickets to Beyond the Love, I apologize. We sold out super early this year. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. Yep. So we were hoping for some cancellations so some people on the wait list could get in, but... No, it's just, just the opposite. Happening. The, the yeah, list just... of people that want. It, I feel like we're in a zombie movie and all these zombies <laughs> are at the door pounding. We're in ocean! <laughs> anyway, uh, what, so what do you think about eating pussy? Do you, do you, so let's say go as a receiver, right? As a receiver? Yes. Of Ooh. the top 10 things that you like to do with a uh, sexual partner, uh-huh. where is cunnilingus? In the top three. So I would say, wow. It's right up there near the top. Sure. Is so, it number one? I don't know that it's number one. Well, it's number it would one definitely if it's be not. number two. Oh, I like fucking. So it's penis and vagina is number one. Wow. You know what, though? I don't even know that I can wow. say that. So, so, so eating at the Y may be right up there at the top. Okay. The problem is, or I don't know if this is the problem or maybe one of the reasons why, is that because of our safer sex mm-hmm. policy? Policies, mm-hmm. I don't get to experience it that much, except with people I'm fluid bonded right. with. So, um, but I, I would say that it is right up there at the top. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I like BDSM. I like sex. I like everything that goes with it. I can't think of a lot that I don't like, but I think that is right up there near the top. Uh, good. So, yeah. <laughs> it just so happens that I enjoy uh, eating your pussy <laughs> to the point that it quite turns me on. So that at the point that you start to have an orgasm from me eating, mm-hmm. I just slide inside and start slamming the shit out of you. <laughs> so, it's, it's really up there. It's very intimate. So, what is it? The, so um, I'm okay with it just being with fluid bonded partners. Okay. So, at this point, because it is, it's very intimate and very, yeah, it's... <laughs> what do you think about um, kissing somebody after they've eaten your pussy? Do you I want them it. to go brush their teeth first? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's hot, too. That's kinky hot. Yeah. That's kinky hot. So, and the first time that, because um, I've only done this with a few people, so the first time that they come in to kiss me, and then they're like, oh, my God, how's she going to react? Mm-hmm. And then I react very forcefully positive. Mm-hmm. That's hot, too. What, That's slutty hot. When you eat pussy, do you have any tricks? Do I have any tricks? You know, I've heard all about the doing the ABCs mm-hmm. and that type of stuff. And no, I don't do anything like that. See, I, just, I think women have an advantage over guys. I was going to say. Because you know because what I know, feels good. Right. So the first thing I try to do is to do what I like to have done to me, but on a softer scale. Mm-hmm. Because I still like rough body play, even when it comes to having my pussy eaten. eaten. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't do that to someone else unless I knew that's something. Because the clit's very sensitive. Yeah. So I wouldn't go into it gung-ho like I like. I would do it on a softer scale. Biting but... clits is not necessarily something that all women enjoy. No. No. I, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> so to a degree. Not the whole gnashing. Right. Wait a minute. That kind of sounds hot, too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, cause I, I like that pressure and I like, have you, now have you tried eating pussy using safer sex dental dams once and it was okay. Do you remember about a thousand episodes ago, we did a product review on a oh mouth, my God. a tongue condom. Wasn't it? It was a tongue condom. Didn't it like hook over your ears or something yes. and then hooked onto your, yeah, it was something like, it was named something like the it was like the back was saying fuck backwards or something. I don't remember. So, but, um, but it would pop off. Yeah. The people that tried it said it would pop off. So, I mean, if they would come up with something like that, that would be amazing. So I did not find the tongue condom to be particularly, uh, useful. I didn't like the way it felt on me. Right. I love the concept of it, but it just, it just didn't work too well for me. So, well, the only time I tried it, um, the reason it was so hot is because she'd never been eaten out before. So to her, it, she couldn't compare it with anything. Mm-hmm. So using the dental dam, you know, so it, it was just hot in general because it was a first time for her. Right. So. Who was that? Uh... The couple that we met in Indy. Oh, really? Halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, was the yeah. first time, huh? That was the first <laughs> time. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's what made it so hot. Sure. First time with a girl. Yeah. 
So, but um, yeah, so that's part of what made it so hot. So, but I don't get to, so like right now, if I wanted a girlfriend, which I would really like to, mm-hmm. to have, um, it would either have to go fluid bonded, which I don't do right off the bat. And it's not something that happens very easily. Um, hell, in the last 16 years, well, never mind. Um, there's only been a few people. Right. But um, so we'd have to figure out how to do it with the dental dam and stuff. Because and that's we really, part of being interested in a girl. At, for the, the short time that we had a slave candy, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things we, we probably maybe, we moved quickly into the fluid bonded mm-hmm. area simply because otherwise the limitations on girly girly on girl, stuff girl, right. are they're, they're significant. There is. and um, Not to so, mention the whole idea of the, I stick my penis in one of you and the other mix it off. <laughs> Can't do that unless you're fluid bonded. Right. And it's pretty hot. That's hot. Yeah. That's amazingly hot. So what do you find? I mean, I know what I like about it. What do you find interesting about eating pussy? Well, the part of it for me is when you're fucking part of your, it's an us thing, right? Mm-hmm. And eating pussy is an us thing too. So maybe that's a bad way to go. But I get to be, it's, I don't have to. My pleasure is coming from a different direction when I'm eating pussy. I don't have to worry about my dick, you know, like, oh, boy, I don't want to get too excited. I don't want to come too early. I don't want to come too late. I don't know what coming too late is anyway. (laughs) But part of it, it separates you from, you get to be a giver instead of a giver and receiver, Mm -hmm. right? And it's nice to be just focused on being a giver, and it lets the other person focus on just being a receiver. Uh, So that's part of it for me. I I, I like being a giver. I, I, I like the idea, that. and it's very intense for the person, so you can read how they're dealing and all that kind of stuff. There seems to be not a great number of guys, for some reason, that enjoy eating pussy. So that is something I enjoy as well, just doing something that somebody else may not get a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way you specifically respond um, I like the the fact that I've got a lot of stuff going on down there, right? Right. Not only can I eat your pussy, I can play with your ass, I can play with your pussy, I can reach out and play with your tits. So it's quite the smorgasbord of things to do. (laughs) Um, And I like it all. I mean, I I like that. I I totally get that whole thing about being the giver. So because I can do that whether I'm eating pussy or giving a blowjob. Right. Right. So eating at the Y could be a whole the blowjob thing too. I'm still no, at the no, it's not. Blowjob, okay. That's no. eating at the that's J. Eating at the, the J or the I. I guess <laughs> so. No, but I, I I I like that, and maybe that's what turned me on so much with that girl in Indy. And I agree with the whole intimate aspect of it as well, right? Be, and maybe maybe not so much for other people, but for us because we only do that with fluid bonded people. It's very intimate for us. Mm-hmm. So. That's it for that. Well, almost. I mean, you didn't mention the taste and the smell. No, I did not. And the yum. <laughs> but what are you going to say about wetness. that? I mean... I will say just... the very first woman I ever uh, fingered, mm-hmm. I smelled my finger afterwards and I said, huh, it really does smell like tuna. No, it doesn't. That Maybe hers did. did. Hers did. So, and see, and the first time, the first time I ever ate pussy, it was a... DS experience. Remember the first cup, the first girl, girl couple oh, yeah, that yeah. we dated, and in our living room, and you mashed my face between her legs, and then she took the hint and pressed my face between her <laughs> legs, and then I couldn't breathe. So it's like, should I bite? I probably shouldn't. She's a dominant. <laughs> okay, we're gonna stop now, and we're gonna go practice. <laughs> nice. Tonight, I am joined by Master Michael. Master Michael, thank you for joining the podcast, and especially tonight, because we're going to talk about something that I don't know that whether it's something that is private for you, but I'm certain that it's personal. Yes, yes, but I'm very out about it. You you um, are indeed. I think you've actually taught a class for us at PXS that touched on our topic for tonight, and it just to actually start at the beginning. Our mm-hmm. topic for tonight, we're going to be talking, I think we're going to be talking about Asperger's. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, let me start off by just explaining how little I know about what we're talking about. Asperger's is a, is a part of autism, or is it, it the other is, way around? No, it is on the autism spectrum disorder uh, scale, 
in fact, it has been officially incorporated into uh, the Asperger scale. The actual diagnosis was eliminated by our famous fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders, also known as the DSM. <sighs> Okay, so the, <laughs> the the autism spectrum disorder scale is mm. what? It basically ranks you on where you are in terms of severity of how autism has uh, affected you. Um, someone like myself would be considered uh, highly functioning on the autism spectrum. And uh, then you go on to, you know, much more severe cases of people who, who have, are very much affected by autism. Um, originally, Asperger's was a diagnosis that reflected your difficulty with social interactions mm -hmm. and understanding things like nonverbal communication. Um, there's also other uh, aspects of Asperger's um, repetitive motion or, or repeated patterns of behavior um, or interests. Um, and it's not so much about the linguistic or cognitive as much as it is interacting with others. Um, and it's been said that there could be a lot more people that have Asperger's or are on the autistic spectrum uh, than they may know. In fact, I was, um, well, I was, it's been five years, so I was in my mid-40s when I was officially diagnosed. So what was that like? So what was the, what, before you were diagnosed, mm -hmm. what about you would be assigned to somebody that this guy's got something going on? Sure. Um, I always knew since I was a child in middle school that there was something different about me. Um, and, and I'm going to date myself here, so bear with me. I don't know if you remember the classes where they separated the guys and the women or the girls at the time. And, you know, the girls learned about the facts of life and the guys were shown some video by the football coach who then proceeded, you know, to, to make fun of us. Um, I figured that there was a class on why people could make friends, why people could go to parties and hang out and have fun. White people could go to, you know, the skating rink and it seemed like they clicked together and I never knew what to say. I never knew what to do. It just felt like such a huge mountain. And at the time it was all, oh, you know, you're just shy, you know, the, there's, you know, the, you'll grow out of it. Well, I never did. And I went through life for a good long time just figuring, eh, there's just something I don't get. So where's, where's the difference in that and just being an introvert? Because that kind of sounds like an introvert, right? I don't like social things. I don't really get involved with other people. I'd rather read a book. That's a great question. And probably to um, someone who's neurotypical, um, and I'm going to shorthand that for NT, meaning someone that's not on the autistic spectrum, to a neurotypical, it probably does look the same. Um, but there are other certain characteristics and an introvert could be autistic, could be a different reason that, you know, that they're reluctant to be social, but for someone that's autistic, it can be measured and it can be diagnosed. So it actually is a, basically how my brain is wired or how somebody who has autism, how their brain is wired. Whereas an introvert, it may be a different reason why. Okay. So what was the point that you, said or how is it that you be, that you got um uh diagnosed um because of the kink community actually <laughs> because i'm kinky and i go to events um you certainly know dr bob rubel uh he's the author of a lot of master slave books mm -hmm. um he goes around the around the world really uh talking about uh master slave relationships he is also very out about his um autistic diagnosis as, as Asperger's and it was I went to his protocol class cuz he gives an awesome protocol class and and one of the benefits of being an Aspie and having your brain wired a certain way protocols work great because they're Patterns of behavior that are repeatable, locked in stone, and you understand them. So he's talking about his diagnosis. And um, 
Then he goes on to the class. And I'm like, wait, I want you to go back to that stuff because that's that's really relevant. Um, and I talked to him after the class. He was very honest, very open about it, um, you know, and and talked very frankly about how it affected him and his relationships and, you know, and it just sat in the back of my head. And then um, without going into detail, another member of my family, I was assisting them in getting diagnosed. And the more I learned about their diagnosis, the more I felt convinced that this is something I should investigate. So I did. Um, And what was that process like? um, Taking tests. Uh, talking to a uh, clinician, and uh, he was very frank with me. Uh, he said that, you know, even though I can do this for you and it may help you in the future, there's not a lot I can do for you. Uh, at my age, because, well, you know, I'm almost 50 years old, I've learned about as much as I'm going to learn in terms of being able to deal with social things that I have. So, it's going to be useful for me to know to maybe deal with um, what I have, but there's, it's, they can't give you a pill. They can't send you to a therapist and boom, you're, you know, you're cured. This is the way my brain is wired. Uh, so it serves more as a tool now for understanding and being able to set up my relationships and how I look at the world with that as now another tool. Okay, I know that this is what's going on. Now I have a different reaction to it than I did before. So no meds, no uh, better life through chemistry? Not for me. I mean, certainly, you know, depending on how um, autism manifests itself in people. There may be a a particular uh, medicine that can help them, Uh, especially in children. um, Asperger's and autism uh, can include ADHD or ADD, um, and there are really good uh, treatments for that. Okay. So let's get kinky with it then. Okay. (laughs) As somebody who's coming into the lifestyle, getting to know people and such, it's a challenge anyway, uh, Mm -hmm. just because you've gone into an environment where probably for most of your life you've been told, no, this is not how nice people act, and this is not how uh, reasonable people dress and all that bit. Mm -hmm. How is it for somebody with Asperger's going to be more of a challenge, and what can they do about that? Well, um that is a question that is partially going to be based on how strongly they're affected by their autism or Asperger's and what they've already learned already about dealing with social situations and partially where they happen to land. So I I hate to say there's a bit of luck in there, but, but there kind of is, um, my case, I, uh, fell in with a group of people that were very much about leather there and their leather, there was protocol and there was, I don't want to say originist, but there was a definite social way of interacting, which felt kind of like the military. I loved the military because the rules were set. I knew how to, you know, interact with people in most situations. And that was very comforting for me. Let me backtrack a little bit. One of the ways that the clinician explained to me that, um, Uh, Asperger's will work is that we build programs in our head. You've probably seen uh, flowcharts where, you know, do this and then you reach a decision point. And if you say yes, you go here. If you say no, you go there. Um, That is a lot of how I look at life and how I look at social interactions based on experience, based on what I've learned. Then it's almost like working a a, a flowchart. And then when I get to a point where I don't know what to do, that's when it gets really difficult. Because normally, if you're talking to someone, uh, a, a neurotypical person can read the body language, can see that, well, someone's not really interested in what you're saying. And that joke that you just made, they rolled their eyes, they shifted away from you. You know, those little cues to somebody with Asperger's it's it's like a blindness. It's like a color blindness, but you're blind to those cues. You're blind to that nonverbal communication. So then you tend to just, well, keep running the program that you're doing, no matter that it may not work. Um, so getting into kink world for me 
it was, okay, there's these rules. I've learned these rules. Don't touch, you know, consent is everything. There's, you know, if somebody's wearing a collar, you don't go up and grab them. You don't grab those little rules I learned. And there's a comfort in them. Coming into, say, a more, you know, if you went into a, uh, a freer environment, like if you went to an event like uh, Great Lakes Leather Alliance or you went to an event, you know, like uh, IML or uh, Beat Me in St. Louis, it may be a little bit harder because there's all these different people and all these different rules and it's going to seem overwhelming because you don't know the rules you don't know where the boundaries are. You don't know what this body language is. And so it can be very overwhelming. And okay. uh, it, 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 I, I, you know, if you go on FetLife and you look at some of the uh, uh, posts there, they're, they're very classic. You know, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I'm in this relationship and these things are happening and I don't know how to interact or how do I go and meet people when I go to a munch? You know, everybody seems like they're in a clique. Mm-hmm. For a normal for a normal person, that's very you know, o- you know overwhelming and intimidating. To someone that doesn't know even the cues, that's going to be ten times harder. I'm sure, but will you? And I, I, I do, I'm kind of trying to save this one, but I, I you know I guess I want to point out that so here you are rolling into Kinkland uh, with Aspergers. I'm mm-hmm. gonna, I've got two things going on here. I'm going to write mm-hmm. one down because I want to save it. Because first I want to ask you this. Do you, if if somebody was said, Master Michael, uh, I want to go get flogged and I want to do some flogging and I want to get involved in all this kind of stuff and I've got mm-hmm. Asperger's like you do, I'm thinking I might. Do you, would you recommend that they would be better off in leather, the leather side of the street than the kink side of the street? And I'm, I'm certain that you recognize as well as anybody else. There's differences. There's different yes. level of protocol, different level level of um, how people interact. Um, would you recommend leather is a better simply because of the of the protocols? Oh, that's a great question. Well, not all leather is about protocols. There, you know, you and I both know that there, you know, if you ask ten leathermen what leather is, you're going to get twelve answers. Um, <laughs> so, you know, would it be better? Yes and no. I think what is probably better is for someone to go in with someone that they may already know or trust, or someone that they've established at least a social interaction with. And that's really hard on the kink side because you may be coming into it for the first time. You don't know anybody. Um, So it it is a lot more intimidating, but I think it's more important to find a place where you're comfortable. Um, And that, unfortunately, can take a while. You yeah. know, but it, it, if if you find a group of of friends or you find people at a munch that you're comfortable with, then the process can become easier. But not for everybody. Everybody's um, autism it expresses itself in different ways. Everybody, you know, people have different levels of ex- of of anxiety over it, or different points where they overload and they can't handle different viewpoints on you know what they understand. I found leather worked for me because I had that basis in the military and I found a comfort in it. Someone else may not. So it, it, it is very much about f- recognizing where are you comfortable at in your normal life and then trying to find an analog in the kink world. And that may not always be easy. Yeah, and that makes sense to me. And, you know, the reality is that um, that the kink world and leather world are some. You know, I, when I describe them, they sound very similar, but there is a different, there's a different feel to it. And mm-hmm. and it may well be just whatever's more comfortable for that individual. Yes. Um, yes. If I had, um, do you think that it's fair to say that somebody with Asperger's that goes to an event, your average event, mm-hmm. right? If by chance they started a, hey, I've got Asperger's group within that event, do, would they be alone? Do you think that there's a higher, lower number of people with Asperger's than your normal, or is it just normal to the population? Well, the the amount of diagnoses for autism has been growing, and 
to my knowledge, they're not sure if it's because they're getting better at diagnosing it or because for whatever reason, the number of diagnoses are growing. It's very hard to tell. In my experience, when um, Slave Angie and I teach a class on um, on dealing with uh, health issues and disabilities in um, a uh, master-slave relationship, um, on average, I would say out of maybe a 25 to 30 people audience, I probably get two to three people that will come up and talk about it or write to me later and say, hey, you know, I heard you talking about Asperger's, you know, I have this too, or I think I have this. So it's not, you know, based on that anecdotal evidence, you know, it's not a big population, but it is very definitely a population that would be there at an event. And you wouldn't, so you would be uh, confident in saying that the person would not be alone. Yes. Okay. Is it reasonable to say, I mean, you look at yourself, right? You're just this, as you mentioned, right? You're a middle-aged guy. You've got Asperger's. What in the world are you going to be able to accomplish in the leather community? That's called the official setup question, by the way, because I know what you've accomplished. Well, and 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 the reason I accomplished that is because I had a uh, slave who forced me out of my comfort zone. Um, funny enough, um, you know, you're right, and 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 what you're speaking to is is the fact that I was involved in uh, the the title process, which involves me getting up in front of you know hundreds of strangers and basically bearing myself and my relationship to them. Um, it was very much something that for the first couple of years, to be brutally frank, I was like, why the fuck do I want to do that? <laughs> it, it was petrifying. Um, you know, here I am in my, I'm in my little comfort zone. I've got my little things. Why would I do that? Um, but I forced myself out of it. And, and it was very, very hard to learn a process by which I could go get up in front of people, talk, go to these different events, meet people, be social, be, uh, you know, on with the smile and on with the great attitude when there's just sometimes I really want to just crawl into a corner. Um, and I still go through that. The, you know, the, this will, this is something that's going to be with me. So I've worked out my own way of basically taking care of myself. Um, giving myself the downtime, um, forgiving myself when I have meltdowns. Um, I, I will never forget, um, and, and I, I don't know if you saw this at, at Great Lakes when I went through an interview process, which is where you know they grill you for a half hour with you and your slave on what your relationship is and how do you do it and all of these things. It's very tough. Um, and I, I was so overwhelmed and so overloaded, I left the room, went to a corner, and cried like a baby just because I was that overloaded. So there's certain things that I had to learn to be able to do it. But yes, it, it very much was learning a new set of skills and, and figuring out how to get through that. But having Asperger's doesn't mean that you can't learn new skills and learn to make adjustments for yourself. And to follow up on that... Is the assumption then that it's up to the person with Asperger's to make the assumption, to make the adjustments? Do you expect the event to make some kind of adjustment for you? That's a great question. Let me go back to your first assumption. Um, it depends, again, on the person with that, that is on the spectrum as to how much they can learn. Um, I mentioned my family member. Um, they are much um, – they are – less functioning than I am. So while yes, there are certain skills that they can learn, there is going to be a finite point. Um, there's a finite point to what I'm going to learn. And I, I recognize that and, and then I try to deal with that. Um, do I expect events to accommodate me? Not really. Um, no, I, you know, how could they? Um, I, I don't see a way that that they they could necessarily you know change what they do to accommodate me. Um, so that's a really good question. I'd have to chew on it, but no, <laughs> off the top of my head, I can't think of it. Okay. I, I think I think a lot of events set up um, the uh, meet and greets for people that are single. 
um, and publicizing those and, and giving people a chance to have these kind of low pressure social type mixers is a really great thing. I, I loved going to those and I was terrified of the going to those, but the ones that were low pressure, low key, hey, just come on in, we've got food, you can just hang out and yak, those were really good because then I could kind of get the feel for the lay of the land and, and, and try to meet people. Okay, very cool. And, 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 you know, as somebody that runs a couple of events, you would be surprised what people uh, like, well, I like to pee on standing on my head. What mm -hmm. are you, some kind of uh, not allowing us to, anyway, okay. I, uh, I get what you're saying. No, I, I, I have, and, and, this is just for me speaking for myself, you know, certainly if you get other uh, people that are listening to the podcast, they may have really great ideas because I can only speak from my own experience. Um, but certainly making it accessible that if someone feels uncomfortable having a low key, low pressure events where they can feel more comfortable, feel a part of things is always, always helpful. Very cool. So one more question for you, if you don't mm -hmm. mind. Oh, no, go ahead. So you probably know the story of King Arthur and Lancelot. Which one? Is there more than one? <laughs> okay, this, you're a D and D person. I shouldn't have. You probably know the story better than I do. I'll change it up then. Do okay. you feel so? One day you went to an event and you heard Doctor Bob speaking, and suddenly the light bulb went off for you, and you yes. said, "Aha!" Do you now feel it is your holy charge to be the face <laughs> of Hasburgers? So that other people might come up and say, hey, that's me. I, I do believe in paying it forward. Um, and uh, being a title holder, being a presenter um, gave me a, um, a, a platform to be able to stand up and say, look, I'm in a extreme power-based relation. I consider master-slave uh, relationship edge play. Um, you know, I'm in this kind of relationship. I have this, but it's okay. You know, it, it, it doesn't lessen my ability to be kinky. It doesn't lessen my ability to have this kind of relationship, you know, so it's okay for you to go out and be kinky too. Um, and I'm, that is one of the reasons that I'm very public about it. Um, because I think that a lot of people who may be afraid to talk about it or may be afraid because they don't want to seem like, you know, how, how people unfortunately with autism are, are, are typically uh, portrayed is not very nice. Um, and, and, and I wanted to be the face of someone different. Oh, and, and I get that a lot. People go, really? I never, ex you know, you don't seem like that. Well, guess what? <laughs> there goes your assumption. <laughs> Very cool. Um, one thing I want to point out um, before sure. we wrap it up. There's a couple of resources that I highly, highly recommend. Fantastic. Um, one is a forum called wrongplanet.net. And it is all about autism and how to cope with it, both um, from a uh, from someone that's in a relationship that may have it, someone that's in a relationship that may not have it. Um, it, it really is a great place to get information, get support, find out about things. And the other thing is, is um, your local community, your local county, may have um, great support services for. Uh, people with autism. Um, it, it is something that is, is prevalent. Uh, and, and, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of people go through life misdiagnosed, not diagnosed, um, marginalized, and uh, they don't have to be. And so I you know, seek out the resources um, and, you know, try to be kind to each other. Very cool. Very cool. Love that. Thank you very much. Master Michael, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast tonight, and I appreciate your uh, ability to speak about this and to educate people that just uh, like myself that start off with very little information and, and to recognize, you know, one of the things for me is to say, oh, so it's not like something that I'm supposed to avoid or not talk about. Um, 
it's something that you are helping to educate people about and that's very cool and i very much appreciate that you're quite welcome thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that Support the Erotic Awakening podcast and buy yourself something. Visit the EA homepage and scroll down to the very bottom and you'll find a banner for The Stock Room. The Stock Room is your one-stop shop for all BDSM kink and naughty products. And with every purchase, you help us keep the Erotic Awakening podcast on the air. Bye, Dan. Bye, Don. Bye, Don.